My inaugural guest today is Ify Wakoro. Ify is a personal speaker, an advocate, a disability spokesperson, a blogger, and most recently a YouTuber. In 2010, Ify was involved in a car crash that left him clinically paralysed from the shoulders down. After coming to terms with his injury, Ify now manages his own care whilst also raising awareness for the NHS for people in similar circumstances. In 2015, Ify started the blog mylifeinachair.com, which has been featured by Social Work England, the Great North Air Ambulance, and numerous live media and spoken word organisations. Today, Ify is my guest on the Life Hub podcast to bring his story, experience, and wisdom that he shares so well through the written and spoken word. Ify, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. So that was quite a truncated introduction. <laughs> but we, we made it. We made it to the end. Welcome. Finally. Yeah. It's all good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I've had a bit of a busy day, but just regular errands around the house, like shopping and stuff. I've got family coming over this weekend, so I'm just getting food and stuff in the fridge. Great. And uh, where are your family coming from? Are they travelling far? Well, uh, Nottingham. Have you got to see them much over the past little while? Because obviously we're, we're recording this at the end of a, a of a global pandemic and yeah. life changed for a lot of people. Definitely. I, I, I haven't seen them. It's going to be my first time seeing them um, in person since oh, Christmas 2019. Wow. That was the last time I was able to see them, yeah. Wow. Even before, before um, lockdown started, like, I was struggling with some health issues and I was stuck in bed. So I wasn't really getting visitors then. And then lockdown hit, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's going to be my first time seeing them in well over a year. Yeah, and, and, and obviously, look, as, as I mentioned in the, in the introduction, you, you are clinically paralysed. And um, I know that yeah. you, you're more than happy to talk about that. We'll, we'll get yep. into that a bit yep. later. Um, so how how has your... Injury, I suppose, affected the coronavirus situation for you. Well, so obviously the big difference um, in my experience, as opposed to the average person out there, is I'm considered high risk for um, like suffering from the from the virus, that sort of thing. Um, which means I was shielding throughout most of lockdown, um, throughout all the different lockdowns. In fact, uh, that's. Even more unique with my experience was how that sort of like fit, fitted into my life. As I said earlier, um, I was already on bed rest um, with health issues, like unrelated health issues before lockdown started, sure. like since Christmas. And I wasn't able to get up until April. So wow. like two months into lockdown was the first time I actually got up. So while everyone was in the height of like emptying the shelves of toilet roll and pasta <laughs> and all that kind of random nonsense... Um, I was just happy to be out of bed. Yeah. Uh, I took a few months there to just like finally get my head around the idea that, okay, yeah, I'm not stuck in bed anymore. And then I think just as lockdown was starting to like hit me a little, um, we came out of the first lockdown and I was able to use that time, the time I'd spent towards the end of the first lockdown and the little bit of time after that first lockdown to like, you know, just dive into work really. Um, yeah. And to be honest, it's been the momentum from then has just kept going. It's probably been this last twelve years, oddly enough, um, has been probably the best year for my career so far. Brilliant. Considering we started off with lockdown. That's phenomenal. And it's really interesting there that while you're on, on bed rest and unable to leave a single room, I suppose. Yeah. Um, th- there is a lockdown happening and you're kind of, are you kind of aware of it, but not really feeling it? Yeah. Well, the, the, I only knew the intensity of it from those around me. Sure. Obviously I had carers and um, a couple of family members I was with at the time. Um, all of us like um, in our own uh, bubble. Yeah. And it was like, you know, the stress and distress on the carers' faces, worrying about their kids and that sort of thing, and um, worrying about coming into contact with each other and finding out the unique regulations for 
um, essential workers, frontline workers, like them, that sort of thing, and then how yeah. to also still provide that protection for them, that kind of thing. So as much as, well, the unique um, situation in my life, I'm the client and the employer. So as much as I was worrying, oh, to be of on how to be as safe as possible, by like for myself, I was also having to like you know organize PPE, organize um like take make put policies in place that sort of thing. Sure. To make sure that all the staff are keeping are safe from each other that sort of thing, and then yeah. like things they have to sort of make sure they're doing outside of work, so um minimizes the risk of them bringing it in. But yeah, it was through them that I sort of got the vibe of how it was out there and as the world seemed to burn down. Yeah. I remember the first time I left the house. I, yeah, I wrote a blog about it, actually. I wrote, I wrote a post about it. Um, it was literally just to, like, get fuel. And well, I, I didn't come out the car. I had my mask on throughout. And it was just, it was it was surreal seeing people queue at Tesco. <laughs> at, at the Tesco filling station, just like, yeah, just people just queuing and, like, these the two meter um gaps and that kind of oh it was it was it was it was just a bit weird because obviously the last time I'd seen outside my house life was normal I sure. didn't see the build up to that so just yeah people are just not going near each other now yeah I think you described it as like walking into uh, Armageddon yeah <laughs> uh, waking up waking up in the end of the world that's it yeah 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 that's it yeah. yeah. Which is, uh, I think, a really vivid description, um, which brings us kind of nicely onto the blog, uh, mylifeinachair.com. Um, you've been at this for four or five years, and to, like, I think to say it's taken off is uh, downplaying it. it, it it's, it's a phenomenal blog with a unique insight into the world and, and into how to live life as posit- positively as possible. So where did the inspiration come from to start the blog? Um, right. First of all, thank you. Uh, that's high praise. Um, so like I, I kind of wanted to do something um, related to like my, the accident and my disability and that sort of thing for a few years. But like obviously the first few years after the injury, I was not in the right headspace, that sort of thing. I tried in... Was that a 2013 or 2014? And that, I spoke to my brother about it. Um, I did. I did start a blog then. I've I've tried to erase from the internet, right? Um, at 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 the moment. But um, he was the one who pointed out something really important to me. He said, um, "What are you gonna write about?" And I, I told him, "Yeah, write about the accident, or write about you know my disability." And he's like, "Okay, so write about the accident." And the fact that you're disabled and what disabilities are, what's that sort of like three, four posts maybe? But what is the blog about? Sure. And I was like, oh, that was sort of like um, the bell, the light bulb moment where, okay, I need to have a, like a reason behind it. So I took a step back, um, tried to sort of discover myself, as cliche as that sounds. I would just find out what, what exactly I wanted to do. And then um, I started... Um, volunteering. No, volunteering was twenty seventeen, but but I started volunteering at um Teesside University, I speaking to students, um speaking, um in lectures, classes, workshops, seminars, that kind of thing. Just telling my story and getting involved with a few other bits like uh, interviews, the new students coming in, sure. um, both um undergraduate and masters. Um, I got involved with some like cost planning and that sort of thing. And it became really clear that, okay, my experiences could inform a lot of positivity in terms of good practice from a health healthcare perspective. But then obviously like one, one big piece of feedback I always got was like how positive I was and how well I was taking things. But that wasn't my reality or the way I saw it. I okay. didn't realize that, you know, anyone like, it will be seen that that way because that's not the way I saw it. Okay. Because obviously it pointed out to me the more I did those talks. So one of the first things that came to my head was if I'm not seeing this, chances are other people in my shoes might not be seeing their progress. If they are making progress, because I know there's a while I wasn't making progress. I was like, okay, that could be the purpose. 
that could be something where I, you know, I put my energy into, and then the blog came organically out of that. Brilliant. Um, because um, some not long after I started the blog, I started volunteering at um James Cook Hospital, um, on the same spawning unit where I got treated, and that's kind of like the epitome of what I'm trying to do: go in, talk to people, go into what I've been through, that sort of thing. That almost the, the blog almost became second to that in terms of what I'm trying to do. And then the flip side where the blog comes in really handy is also teaching people who aren't disabled about disability. That's awesome. So it's kind of like two sides of the same coin. Um, sure. People with disability learning how to better deal with it and then people without disability sort of being able to relate to us really. So yeah, I think that's how the blog started. That's fantastic. Um, I'm just going to pause for a second because... Um, we'll cut this bit out i've noticed that we're recording audio no problem we're not recording video <laughs> so what we'll oh do is <laughs> we'll start recording video in a second <laughs> and okay. the first bit of the podcast can just be a blank screen on youtube so <laughs> getting back into it then um yeah i think the, the blog as well um it does all of those things but when when we met back in, in 2014, 2015, yeah. all I could see was this happy, hardworking business person, quite frankly, because you, you manage and run your own care as a business, yeah. which yeah. is phenomenal. Um, but I, I didn't see the internal kind of the imagination, the, the thoughts, the feelings of what it's like to be in your shoes. And I thought what the blog did really, really well was give give that personal touch as well. It, it's a very yeah. personal blog as well as it is practical, educational, um, you know. So, and I think that's, that's the, what makes it so successful is that it is your personality in in word form as well thank you so um i I suppose as well like at at the start um you you wanted to kind of talk about the accident how it happened and 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 what that was like for you and and i know that you you're one of i'm not sure i'd ever be the same here but uh you're you are very happy to talk about the accident and and what led you to be in the situation so i said look I mentioned in in the introduction for context, you were in a, in a car accident in 2010, mm-hmm. um, and prior to that, you were a completely healthy young man, mm-hmm. and you'd you'd come to England to to study, yep, and and to start to start your life to enter the adult world. Pretty much, yeah. I was second year of university. Wow. That yeah. Happened. Um. Yeah. That. That was. So. Okay. So. What. At the time the the accident happened. If I let's say the day before, twenty four hours before the accident happened, um, I was a second year university. I was studying animation. Um. I played basketball. I mean, I took it quite seriously. I, I wasn't exactly the greatest player, but um, I was on the university team. I helped run the team as well. Like I was on the committee that ran the team. So I was like quite athletic at the time. Um, I worked behind the bar at the student union, quite social. I was a school rep. Um, I, I, well, in my head at the time, I had a lot going for me. Well, I, I, at that sure. stage in my life, anyway, being a university student, I was just enjoying that university experience. And then um, the accident, there were five of us in the car. Um, we were all going to a basketball game. Um, it was a team, I wasn't playing that day, but I was going to watch my friends play. It was a team I was going to, like, you know, try out for and wanted to meet Leona and that kind of thing. So really exciting. And um, there was three of us at the back, two in the front. Um, on the motorway, we are going full speed and the driver sort of lost control of the wheel. And, yeah, we spun off the side. Um, the car rolled a couple of times and, yeah, went, once everything sort of calmed down, like it was kind of clear that some stuff wasn't right. Okay. Um, I looked fine. The guy next to me, like he, his head had gone through the window. 
like it was bleeding and wasn't that responsive. Um, so my my worry was him, and I sort of laid on him. So I got concerned. I didn't want to move too much. Sure, but I didn't. Re- it was only it's only in hindsight I realized I probably did try moving, didn't get any response, and just thought, okay, maybe I'm wedged or something somewhere. Okay, but I was thinking I wasn't moving because I wasn't trying to move that much. Sure. Um, eventually I did try and like get up, and yeah, that's when the panic set in. Okay, because um, like nothing was happening that sort of thing. Yeah, but yeah. Um, what, six months in hospital after that. Um, well, I got airlifted straight from the crash site to James Cook Hospital. Got operated on, um, I believe immediately, and then, what like, I can't remember what other procedures were in those first few days. But the first time I remember being caught conscious was like three days in. Um, and doctor doctors came in and sort of like gave me the diagnosis. This is what it's going to be. It's permanent. And at that at that point. It's not even denial. It's just, well, something bad has happened. I've been injured. Fine. Understandable. But, like, I'm in the hospital to get better. So that's sure. going to happen. As time went on and, like, no one is talking in terms of this being temporary, then the denial started setting and that kind of thing. And going through all the more, the other stages of grief, if you want to call it that. Yeah. I don't even know what the stages are, but I'm sure I went through all of them twice. Um... But yeah, intensive care for a month, thereabouts, and five months into all in rehab, and that's actually where it started getting difficult. It's quite ironic, um, and I've said this a million times um, in other places, I'm sure it's on my blog somewhere. I didn't feel any of it, like, I didn't feel any pain okay. um, when the crash happened, because the, the connection, like, to my brain was cut off before I could feel any of the pain whatsoever, that sort of thing. The actual like physical trauma started in rehab, okay. Because the body, my body, because the way the way it worked was my body sort of kept going with what it could, okay. Like as time went on, but as it got weaker and it wasn't getting like exercise, it wasn't like the muscles started like I started losing muscle mass, that kind of thing. Sure. My lungs started to get strained. Um, then I started like struggling breathing, and it had to get a tracheostomy. Um, started feeling the full effects of you know, what spinal cord injuries and yeah. what my life could have looked like, to sure. be honest. Um, I'm quite lucky at my level of injury. Um, it's quite common to have tracheostomy permanently. Okay. Um, tube sticking out your neck, that sort of thing. And I was lucky to just not need that long term. Um, but yeah, I've got to like manage um, my chest, my breathing, um, how, what I eat and how much exercise I get. And yeah, it's just the whole... It's I, I maintain my body like it's a Formula One car. Every day it's in the pit stop and then yep. I take, take it for a run. Yep. And I get out of bed and yep. see what it's like when I get back in. Yep. Are, you, are you saying that you're high maintenance? <laughs> the, 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 yeah, funny enough, I can't even like deny that. Yes, <laughs> like it is high maintenance. But like not because of me. It's like that's just sure. the, the, the um, case with the disability. Um, right, and with a lot of disabilities, um, it's one of those cases of the idea of someone being in the wheelchair is seen as the disability, but obviously you can be in the wheelchair for a bunch of different reasons. Sure, and all of those reasons have reasons have their own sort of repercussions, side effects, um, daily issues, that kind of thing. Yep. So it's those daily issues that like people don't really get to see, and yeah, that that those form like what I do, like behind closed doors, and my like before I head out to that kind of thing yeah. every day and I get back in, that sort of thing. So there is, there is a lot to do just to keep um, head above water, that sort of thing. Awesome. And so how, on a, on, a, on a normal day, how does your disability affect you as a, as a result of this crash? So um, my disability is C4 quadriplegia, and that's basically fourth... Um, spinal column which is sort of like the base of my neck yeah um and it's called quadriplegia i can't use any of my limbs so yeah. i can like shrug my shoulders and sort of like lift my arm up but on both sides like that but other yeah. than that like i can't use my fingers i can't move my wrists at all sure. so technically i can't i can't hold anything i can't really do much myself so they really start with 
me getting hoisted out of bed, um, into the shower chair, like basically assistance with all of that, getting washed, I'm getting dressed in the morning, getting put in my chair, and then once I'm in this bad boy, um, <laughs> pretty much free to roam around as much as I want within the house. Um, depending on what I'm doing, like going out shopping today, um, that's I've got a wheelchair accessible vehicle, so if I was gonna go anywhere. I'd have to use that vehicle or sure. use a vehicle with a ramp or some sort, that sort of thing, and then um, have one of my carers drive me. Um, if I've got a family member who can drive as well, um, that that's always an option, or friends even. Um, my insurance is like a blanket insurance. Okay. I just have to be within a certain age range. Um, but yeah, so that's how I get get like out, um, um, out and about, like wherever I'm going, that sort of thing. Um, longer the distance, the more I consider like maybe getting trained and that sort of thing. And then um, things like using my computer, like right now, for instance, the grey dot on my nose. Sure, if you noticed that. Yeah. Um, that's like part of like the tech that sort of helps me you be able to use my computer. I got this is um, there's there's a bunch of them on the market. This one's called the Smart Mouth, okay. and I got it while I was in hospital. It was basically like yeah how I use my laptop and get me going because like Jesus Christ I, I went through so many movies and no six months that sort of thing but then getting out um, being discharged afterwards I was able to go back to university and if not for this I wouldn't have been able to do it, to, um, to do that because it basically it, it's a mouse and so anything you can yes. do with a mouse I should be able to do to some extent at least um, that and an on-screen keyboard um, helps me with everything computer based so the blog, yeah, on YouTube, all of that. that that's yeah. all through this. That's brilliant. And and so you you direct a mouse on a screen using your nose, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So like as I've been talking, the mouse has just been dancing around the screen. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, that... yeah. It's kind of it, it. It's um, it can be a bit annoying because um, there's a little like panel with. Like the, the different clicking options, and I've got to disable that. Like now, when I'm talking, when I'm using it, it will just keep. It'll click if I hover over something for long enough, um, which is like less than a second. So if I'm currently like typing or currently clicking through something, and mm. someone talks to me, I've got to just keep shaking my head a bit. I, I, I look like there's something wrong, and I just keep doing that. Okay, yeah. It doesn't click. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. But yeah, um, with the mouse, I can sort of yeah use the computer as much as I want. Uh, that's brilliant. Uh, assistive technology is is advancing so quickly as well. So, yeah, definitely. You know, the, the more the more we we have people like you that are kind of very open about advocacy and disability awareness, the more assistive technology advances as well. Um, yeah. I'm, I was really interested actually in in one of the blog posts, and it reminded me of uh, something you were, you were mentioning about old you versus the new you right yeah so um because what i hear when when you talk about your life before your accident in many ways is very similar to the life you've got now you are very busy you're ambitious you've got tons of projects on the go and um but there's there's, there there is a difference so what what is different about the new you versus the old you? So the old me did a lot of things, had a lot of, had a lot going for himself without realizing it and pretty much taking it for granted. The new me is fully aware of um, what those things are, how they've, been, they've come into place, how, well, maybe not fully aware of how best to use them, but just actively trying to learn that, that sort of thing. Um, I was, like before the the accident, I was just going through life, and I'm not in so not in any negative negative sense per se, but just the same way. Well, you just live your life. I mean, from from school, you get to secondary school. From secondary school, you get to university. Um, if that if you choose to do so, from there you get a job. And that, I was just on that part, on that path, that sort of thing. If I met someone, then I met someone. If I did it, then I did it. Like that kind of thing. Sure. Um. The, the accidents basically forced me to be aware of a lot of those things. So 
I mean, look, so I, I, I talk about this in the blog a bit. Um, the, the moment a lot of things changed, it felt completely like a loss. So I had to then come to a place where I'm like, okay, if I'm going to actually make anything of this, like life, like it's worth living. Like I've, I've, it has to be that kind of thing. Yeah. I kept telling myself that, but I don't know why yet. So it's okay. just a case of finding out why. Why was it worth living before? Went through all the things that I had, I felt like I'd lost. Went through everything that I still had and um, I still have till today. And it was a case of then picking out what things do I want to keep? Um, what things can I keep? And if I can't keep things that I want to, how do I replace them? Or can I modify things um, to some to the more suitable way for this new version of me? Sure. That sort of thing. Yeah. That, that 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 took a while. So um, you know, you said um, I was quite like happy, positive guy when we met. Um, that was probably towards the end of well, not the end. I mean, still got ongoing now. But if if, if I used the um, starting the blog as a time when I was like, okay, I know what I want to do um, with my life going forward. That was towards the end of that time. Okay. So I was, I had I had a fairly good idea of. Um, what I, where I wanted to be and where I had been, um, I had to shed a lot of the things I thought were priorities. Um, because okay, so I mentioned I played basketball. Um, I can't remember what, but a lot of the things that I valued about myself were things that were tied to my physical ability. Okay, not about anything wrong. But, sure. Um, all of that went out the window once the accident happened. So. It then became a case of if I'm going to find new things, not only do they have to replace the old things in terms of how much I get out of those, I get out of them, or how much um, satisfaction I get from them, I also need to feel safe knowing that they can't that be that easily taken away. So my priorities have now become much stronger in terms of being a good foundation for how I see myself, my value, my self worth, that, that that sort of thing. So around around that time we met, um, like. I, that's when, like, my focus on things like family, um, yeah. the friends I have around me, like, it, it went through the roof in terms of being, like, top of the list of priorities and then sort of building around that. And to be honest, like, um, I think that, that that says something about, um, like, how I saw you as a friend because I tried as much as possible not to be around people who not so much weren't positive but who weren't... Um, like naturally just or pa- passively positive or just in their everyday life just just they were just positive people that sort of thing um anything from negativity and that it could be that people were going through a rough time that kind of thing but i i recognize i was fragile um in terms of being able to like soak up some of that negative energy okay the most possible i tried to avoid that or if i came across someone like that i sort of switch into uh, I call uncle iffy mode, okay. um, giving advice and helping out that kind of thing. But as yeah. as possible, not to let the negativity rub off on me. That kind of thing. Obviously, some of it will. I'm human. Mm. I'm only human. But um, yeah, it just it made me very, very, very aware of how I navigated like my social life. Yeah. How I navigated like my career and just everything. What it meant to be me and live my life. That sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, big difference between. Old me and new me is new me is a lot more aware of what makes me me. That's brilliant, um, <laughs> and that meaning and purpose that you spoke of that doesn't really change. So, just you've you've had an injury, or maybe it does, because you you thought then and, and, and nodded your head. <laughs> so maybe it has changed a bit, but meaning and purpose are what drives human beings, right? So, and it doesn't matter whether you're able-bodied person or disabled. Yeah. If you don't have meaning or purpose in your life, you're not going to have a happy life. So, through many different projects and and, and the way that you've approached the situation that you found yourself in, you've found a meaning and purpose. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. I mean... Um, there are a lot of things. So, 
what you said about um that purpose like changing or not um yeah the core of it is still the same yeah but it it has to evolve as i i evolve so when i first figured out okay i wanted to do something along the lines of um, disability awareness and that kind of thing yeah um how exactly it was gonna happen wasn't something i was certain about um when i decided it was the blog okay started writing the blog and then started discovering okay these are the people it's reaching this is the effect it could have that's meant it had to evolve into me actively using um like the power of the blog itself yeah specifically like as a blog and that kind of thing not just the general thing of um general purpose of i want to spread disability awareness that kind of thing how would a blog specifically spread the most disability awareness and most effectively do that so evolve evolve the little um when i started getting involved with the speaking um that was also different that's very different from um like the written word and that's something you write beforehand and like people reading their own time i'm talking in person now so i had to learn to speak about things in a certain way that kind of thing um a bit more evolution there i need to learn to put things in words in a situation where i'm speaking those words live um and then when the opportunity came for youtube and that's when i'm still learning i'm still very very new to that um it's not the same as being signed in front of someone um sure. it is speaking and putting things into words um but it's not pre-written and it's just it's a whole d- different like elevation than even speaking to people at the hospital um volunteering i'm not doing i'm, I'm doing the same thing in the grand scheme of things disability awareness helping them uh, be more aware of their disability if you want to word it that way but i'm not going to talk to someone who's lying in the hospital bed um probably thinking that well not not thinking knowing their life is, has changed forever in the same way i would write about what they're going through or what i've gone through so like, let adding in that empathy yeah um recognizing what they're talking about sometimes just being the listening ear um, sometimes learning from them and things that they've done in a way that I feel could have been better. So another bit of evolution there. So yeah, it's 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 the same it's the same um overall purpose, but how it sort of manifests itself has to evolve with time as I evolve, the better I get at it, the more I can do with it, sure. the more I should do with it. The more I do do with it, um the more things change. It's like like that kind of thing. It's a domino effect and who knows? Maybe one day that overall purpose itself would change into something else um, that I'm more suited um, to do. But I think the important thing is I needed to discover how I could manifest my purpose sure. as, as, as the person I was back then. Because if I didn't do that, I would not have gotten to the stage I am now. Because the things I can do now are definitely like way different from the things I was doing back then. But I can do a lot more than I could do back then. But I wouldn't have been able to do any of that if I hadn't taken the steps I took back then, that kind of thing. And I feel like I'm repeating myself now, but yeah. Not at uh, all. <laughs> yeah. No, so that, that's a really, really good point about, about um, your purpose and meaning fundamentally on, on, on a deep level being the same, but it evolves over time and, and, and changes. Um, you, you've mentioned family quite a lot. Um, and I know we've we've spoken in the past about someday you might want to have a family potentially. Um, yeah. And you've spoken in the blog as well um, about what, one way that the, the old and, and new iffy changed was the way that you had to approach romance and relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you're happy to talk about this, <laughs> which is why I'm bringing fine. it up. <laughs> uh, so... I suppose from your perspective, um, you you were dating someone when you had your accident. Um, so at the time of the accident itself, um, I was kind of in a funny place relationship wise, but I, I'd say yeah. But what's important? Um, at the time I was in hospital, I did have my partner with me, that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, we were together for a bit. Um. And then I started dating someone else not long after getting discharged. And that was, it's a whole different kind of fish because sure. um, the person I was with at the time I was in hospital, 
um, I had been with before the injury, but I wasn't the same person anymore. So sure. like that had to change in its own way. Um, the person I was after the no the person I was in the early years of my injury, um, it's not the same person I was like a, a few years down the line. Sure. So the relationship I was in in the, at the time, like that had to change. Either it, we we evolved in the same way or alongside each other, or like it had to end. And that's kind of how that went. And then I've since I'd say well, in the last nine years ish, um, I, I haven't had that much um. With regards to like being in a serious relationship, I think I've, I've been one. But like a big part of that is what well, we started off with. Um, obviously, the difficulties that are now like I now have to face with regards to dating. But then I was talking to someone. I was going to say that. Sorry to interrupt there. I, I was just going to say Sorry. that um, something like this kind of subject must really make you confront your yeah. disability it, it, because... it makes you really think about how exactly you're approaching finding a partner and how exactly you see yourself and in in terms of like romance and like how someone else might see you what what you bring to the table that kind of thing how what's your appeal that sort of thing and then also really thinking about what i'm looking for in a person as well so it was it was difficult at the start because of like all the new things I had to learn how to navigate. Now it's almost 50-50 between those things and my own personal choices. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I see in my head as um, essential for a relationship. And it, without mentioning words, it makes you very picky. Yeah, so um, your standards we'll, haven't dropped just because your life has changed. Oh. Mm. I wouldn't say they've dropped or they've um, risen. I'd say they've changed. Sure. So, typical 20-year-old, the things I was thinking were important in the partner. Well, what did I know I'm, at 20? I, I had very like misconstrued ideas of um, what I wanted in a partner, that kind of thing. Now it's gone more, shifted a bit more to what I need in a partner than what, what I want. Okay. Um, so, I haven't changed... Like my tastes haven't changed that much in terms of like say if we're talking about appearance wise, um, maybe in some ways, um, then that that's bound to come with age. But then with regards to, like, if I met someone today, what would make me consider them, like mm. someone I'd like to be in a relationship with? Sure. Like, yeah, that 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 question is not it's not something I actively contemplated before the injury, after the injury. Well, <laughs> if we talk about people coming with baggage. Like I've got a whole airport full of baggage, that kind of thing. So I've got to have someone who's obviously understanding of that, firstly, and then on the second second part, someone who can actually handle a lot of that because it's not for it's not everyone's cup of tea. And um, they've been they've been relationships that have literally stopped before they've started because one of those two two things weren't um weren't there. They weren't able to handle the like everything that comes along with me or um. They weren't willing, that's all, and and none of that is uh, things like I hold against anyone. Yeah, I understand it's like it's tricky. It's it's not easy. It's a lot to ask someone to um take up take on um bring into their own life mm. and yeah. And so it's 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 a complicated kettle of fish. <laughs> but it's it's interesting that you say that because someone that is willing and is able to in in your words help handle your situation that that is the red line and that is someone that is not only the right person for you but is deserving of a relationship with with you Uh, that that, that's a really good point yeah um the idea of someone who um, is able to be in a relationship with me and someone who is deserving of being in a relationship with me. Because, um, like I said before, um, the one thing the accident changed for me is forcing me to be aware of my own values and my own self-worth and yeah. what I would bring to the table, um, say, if it was something like a podcast um, yeah. or if I was given a talk or something or if I was to get a new job or if I was to start a um, get into a relationship with someone, 
what would I be bringing to the table? I'm quite aware of what those things are. I'm quite I'm very, very aware of what I can't bring to the table. Um, but yeah, so if I, if, I, if, if I was with someone, that would be something I'm actively thinking of. Um, do I, not so much that I want them to deserve me or what I bring to the table, but I don't know. That that makes it sound like oh like, like I think so highly of myself. You have to earn this. And <laughs> well, no, that is true to some extent. You, um, you, every person has to set their standards, and yeah, and, yeah, true, and, and true. be and be comfortable with that because yeah, that ties into your own sense of self worth and and your own self esteem. People with low self esteem enter relationships that are not good for them. You've put in better words than I. I, I would have. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. Um, I don't want to get into a relationship just because someone is available. Um, that's doing myself a disservice. I'm doing them a disservice. Yeah. Because if it's not someone that I, there's that mutual attraction connection um, with, then well, it, I, I'm just torturing myself and the person. Um, it's not someone who, like, someone could be very willing to deal with things, but might not be able. Yeah. Someone could be very able and not willing. Um, it, 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 it's there's a whole bunch of things that sort of stick in that red line, um, of things that sort of need to be in place for a relationship. And yeah, where 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 possible, like, I understand concessions have to be made. Yeah, there has to be compromise in any relationship. And but well, it comes down to the person. So with every chance I get to possibly start a new relationship, yeah, that's a discussion like we have in depth that sort of thing. Um, something that I I don't shy away from the fact that I actively um, try and begin that conversation, not as early as possible, but um, at some point we'll be discussing, like, you know, how does this really affect you? Would you be able to like, put in scenarios in, in front of both of us? And it might be a case of they don't give me the answer I was expecting, but they give an answer that works. And I'm like, okay, I would I never thought of it that way, that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, like, yeah, I'm willing to... Um, See where I need to come. I could compromise that sort of thing, or and or how I could work with what someone else brings to the table. But sure, I don't know what that is until I actually meet the person. Yeah, and underneath all of that, of course, is if the person wants it and is able for it, then yeah. it's worth compromising. Yeah, definitely. Great, definitely. Phenomenal. Let's let's change tack slightly because right, your your blog. Um, covers multiple topics from travel um to, to life advice and I, and I know that and, and a theme that is running through the blog is um you're a superpower <laughs> <laughs> and i know that you like comic books <laughs> yeah and, yep. and superheroes so. so tell yeah. me about the superpower um so this also power thing um, it's sort of. It, it, I think calling it a superpower, looking at it that way, came around the time I posted that, like I uploaded that particular post. Yeah. Um, and it was like, oh shit, it's oh, part of my language. Oh, you're um, right. It was like, oh, it's actually it hit me like that's how I see this. Um, everybody has like the, the secret superpower, as I call it. Um, everyone has the ability to make change. Everyone mm. has the ability to create things that aren't that out of thin air. Like um you could come in and you can step into a room and um completely annoy everyone by just starting to sing in a heart in the worst possible voice you can. You've created an emotion that wasn't there in that room before you walked in. Like that kind yeah. of thing. Okay. Or if you then like scale that out to um the decisions you make in life, uh, no matter how small or big, the things decisions you make with in relationships, whether that's with family, friends, um, with your partner, that kind of thing, um, or in work or with a work colleague or decisions you make in your career, all of that has ripple effects, effects that weren't necessarily there before you made them. So we all have the power to create something, to create something, yeah. Okay. So what we create is something that a lot of people don't pay attention to. So... Um, Society kind of teaches us teaches us to be very individualistic. Um, we do what makes us happy. 
we were yeah. upset. We sure were upset. And then hopefully something makes us feel better. And then we act better after something's made us feel better and that sort of thing. Um, but if we acknowledge, first of all, that we all have that power, um, we have the power to make someone's life or ruin someone's life with a few words. And that's just one example. If we all acknowledge that and then pay a bit more attention to what we're using that power for, not just use it passively by walking through life without like eyes shut, that kind of thing. Um, that could very well dictate, um, not dictate, well, you dictate what effect you have on people, what effect you have on the world around you, uh, what effect you have on other lives. And it's like being um, in water. The ripples you send out get bounced off others and come back to you in some other form, that kind of thing. I'm sure. not talking about karma or anything, but literally if you tell someone something, they're going to respond um, based on what you said. And based on what you said, uh, what you said determines their response. Their response to you determines the next thing you say to them. Sure. Um, it's like a conversation of actions and emotion, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that, that superpower is basically the effect we have on the whole world and the world around us. But it's very passively used with how the average person lives their life, if we mm. can say that. So... My whole thing with that, with that ideology is how do I actively use my superpower in a way that I want to? Some people might decide they don't want to help anyone. They want to like, you know, completely do things for themselves. Yeah, but at least they're aware that they have the, the ability to do that. Um, I think I would like to think most people are good people. And if they had a choice, they would be more willing to spread positivity than negativity. Um, so things like it's not even a case of just um, say I'm not upsetting someone with my own words or doing something to hurt someone else. Sometimes um, it's being quiet, like not not talking when um, I don't have anything positive to add. That in itself is an action that's going to have an effect because I've not stopped mm. the positive thing that has been said um, by someone else from you know taking hold and yeah. being absorbed by somebody that kind of thing. Um, it can come in all sorts of ways, but yeah. it's recognizing that we all have the power to do that and actively um, choosing how we use that power, basically. Something I'm really interested in, which kind of links into it, is about being in the present as much as possible. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. To, to raise awareness. And, and, and yeah, I'm human, so it doesn't always work. Um, <laughs> but when, when, when you try to to be present as in let's not worry about the future and let's not be mad or sad about the past let's just observe what's happening now and when that happens it's like the ego goes away it kind of melts away and all of a sudden the person i am comes to the forefront yeah and, and so i find that when i am able to which is uncommon at the minute <laughs> because I'm human and that's the key. Yeah. Um, but when I am able to, I am more productive. I'm happier. I um, feel like I am making a difference in the world. And, and so I feel what you're talking about, a superpower is very much linked to that. Definitely. That conscious choices that you make to make you and the people around you better for being there yeah definitely definitely I, I, um I, I like i like i like the conversation around being in the present um because the most important time is the present the past can't be changed and the future is like you never reach there sure you can only ever be in the present that kind of thing yeah. um like the, the the way the way i approach like those three sort of like aspects of time if you want to call it that um is if it's happened in the past yes it might have made me feel feel a certain way then that yeah. feel how i feel about it now is very much my choice yes it might be difficult to let go completely if even at all about how it feels or how it made me feel but i have some control over that i have some say in that and i need to actively try yeah. and make sure i feel how i want to feel 
Yeah. But what's happened in the past is like reading the history book. Um, but this time the history book is your experiences. You remember things, so you learn from it. Um, so the past is there to teach me how to enjoy the present and live for it. Well, not even live the future, plan for the future. Sure. So that's my relationship with the past. The future, because it's always coming, all you can do with the future is plan, plan for it. And yes. when you get there, it will be the present, and then you can then carry out your plans, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you can use the past to inform the future, but all, everything we're doing is still in the present. So, yeah. Um, I just rambled on a bit there about time. Not but, at all. It's really uh, interesting because... Um, when, especially when it comes to trauma, and maybe this is something that you recognize, is that when you're living in the present, the trauma that you have in your life isn't, isn't really in your mind and allows you to function a bit more um, yeah. competently or consciously, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm, I'm sure, and again, you're a human too, right? <laughs> There's going to be yeah. moments uh, in, in your life when you think, why did that happen to me? Definitely. When you get into the past. And, and so how, how, how do you come to terms with those moments? Um, well, firstly, the assumption there is that I have come to terms with them. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 I wouldn't say I've come to terms with everything completely. Um, there's still things that and maybe that's more me being open-minded to constantly improving and learning from everything I've experienced, including um, obviously the major incident of my accident. Sure. Um, but the much I have come to terms with, um, that obviously came with time, firstly. Um, I've sort of learned, because things can only happen over time and most likely I'm not going to be instant. Well, I don't need to give myself a hard time for not being where I want to be yet so I can relax a bit and just go through, not necessarily go through the emotions, but go through the emotions. Um, if it makes me feel a certain type of way, then I don't need to fight that feeling. I can go through that feeling and once I'm done expressing that feeling, chances are I've sort of left a like, oh, good chunk of that feeling in the past, that kind of thing. So things like if I'm upset about something, it's not a case of, well, no. If I'm upset about the accident and disability and that sort of thing, which obviously happens, um, it's not a case of being angry, say, for instance, being angry at my friend who's driving or being angry at the how unfair it is that it's happened to me yeah. and not, not someone else, that kind of thing, and the million and one chances that yeah. I would have had this happen to me. Like, there's no point being angry at that. Yes, upset that it's happened, but being angry doesn't change anything, doesn't improve anything. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a, I, I don't know who said this, it was one of those pictures with wise words and it or something, and it's attributed to someone. I don't know who actually said it, but um, anger is very anger is anger is like holding onto a hot coal, like hoping to throw it at someone. You're angry at so- or something. Angry yes. about something, you're aiming the hot coal, but you're still holding it. You're the one still getting burnt by it. Yeah. Um. There's a difference between anger and sort of pain or um suffering or um what's it called um like just being upset. There's the anger is a completely different thing yeah. entirely, and it's it's not necessary. Yes. Um, and and anger is a secondary emotion. Yeah. So there's always a root cause that leads to anger. Exactly. And, and, and so that, that means anger therefore becomes a choice. You can confront the underlying emotion or you can be angry. Yeah, anger is a choice. Wow, okay, yeah, anger is a choice. I, I, I've, I've never actually said it in those words, but I definitely agree with it. That's definitely how I feel about anger. Mm. Um, it's almost like, I, I, I guess if someone was like, going to argue against that they might say oh is it possible are you, am I, am I saying it's possible then to never get angry because you can choose every time not to be angry 
The answer is yes. Obviously, um, it's an ideal. It's um, a level of uh, perfection, if that exists, I guess. Yeah. So it's not going to be easy to get there. But I can, I can easily say that I have not acted in anger in quite a while, probably a few years now. Um, the anger, the, the anger I, I get close to anger in terms of how I actually feel, but how I choose to act on that, yeah, that, that's where the choice comes in. That's where the anger manifests itself. Yeah. It doesn't have to. I mean, if it doesn't help the situation, there's no point in like, feeling that. I, I, like, I have things like that, not that I get angry at my staff, but um, there are things that you know could happen like with my staff, and I'm as much as I'm the client, I'm their employer as well, and I've sort of learned through that that the best way to solve a solution isn't necessarily by getting emotional or letting your emotions affect it. So if sure. something's upset me or I'm not okay with it, that sort of thing, um, getting to the solution of the problem wouldn't be through anger. It wouldn't be through lashing out or yeah. acting from emotion it's you know observing breaking things down and like you know working through the steps to actually find that solution that kind of thing um so yeah yeah anger is definitely a choice i i completely agree with that statement great um if he we're, we're coming towards the end of the podcast i think <laughs> it's been a pleasure to have you um oh, as here. i said before a, a couple of weeks ago when we were planning this i have some quick fire questions yeah. <laughs> and you don't know what they are. <laughs> I have no idea what those are. Are you ready for some quick fire questions? Yeah, let's hope I answer them quickly. I'm used to that. Crack on. Sorry, but my connection went uh, a little bit there. I'll edit that bit out. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I, I, I was saying, like, well, the, with how much I talk, I don't know what quick fire questions are. Um, but yeah, I'll give it a go, anyways. So I, I suppose in, in as short a time as possible without thinking about it. Oh, oh I'm being sarcastic. Like, I know what they are. Just <laughs> I'm really bad with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah I'll, I'll give my best shot. Great. So yeah, just try, I suppose what we said is try not to think about it. Just react. Okay. Okay. So quick fire question number one. What is one piece of advice you'd give to yourself when you're half your current age? Be patient, wait. Okay. In 10 years time, what is one piece of advice you would give to, to yourself? No matter where you are, be happy with everything, everywhere you've been and look forward to where you will be. That, that was much quicker, by the way. <laughs> What do you like most about yourself? That's a tough one. I, 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 can't, I can't go that on quickly. Not that I don't like things about myself, but there are a lot of things I'm happy about and proud of. No, my achievement. Jesus Christ, that was not quick. My achievement. Do you want to expand on that for me? Oh, yeah. Um, so... With with becoming more aware of who I was and who I am now, um, I'm also aware of um, where I was, say, straight immediately after the accident and where I am now. And there's a lot of things I'm happy about um, with it, within that time, within mm. about the last 11 years now. Um, I, 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 I have to give myself credit for um, a lot of the stuff that's gone on there. It's definitely not been something I've achieved myself, but sure. I am happy with the part I played in all of that. Um, yeah. And it's almost like if, if we're saying the past is gone and the future is never getting here, it's, I'm just, me is the me that exists now, then I'm very happy with past me for going through yesterday and the day before that and the years before that, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I look forward to what, seeing what future me will get, get up to. But yeah, I'm pretty proud of my achievements. Great answer. <laughs> what are you most proud of? That kind of links in, doesn't it? What? Yeah, that, that links in. Oh, I said, I said, with my achievements again. Brilliant. Uh, what is the most important challenge society is facing that nobody is talking about? 
self-awareness. Um, I say that, so we're very aware of things that happen around us and that's what news is entirely. Like the, new, the news in you sat in um, your living room and the news is telling you about things that happen in countries all around and on the other side of the planet. But we're getting someone else to tell us about someone else something else or somewhere else how much are we actually looking inwards to know about ourselves that sort of thing um it's not mainstream it's not it's something that's taught in school it's not something that um we're conditioned to teach our kids um on a daily basis it's just it's almost like you have to discover the ability to know yourself and that, that, that that's a big shame because a big part of why a lot of problems we have now in the world exist is because People don't know themselves, and if you don't know yourself, and someone's gonna um, tell you who you are, and that might not necessarily be true. So, yeah, I could go on about that. Well, yeah. So, um, what did I say? Self awareness. Brilliant. Iffy, thanks so much for your time. It's a pleasure <laughs> it's an to have you. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure being here. Thanks for inviting me, Adam. And I'm sure. Look, I'm sure we'll speak very soon off air. <laughs> <laughs> sure. All the best. Bye for now. <laughs> Uh, you take care, Adam. <laughs>